And hello, everyone. Welcome once again to the Hyundai Texans radio studio inside NRG Stadium for the program we call Texans All Access, keeping you up to date with everything involving your Texans and talking about the Texans and analyzing the Texans and sometimes talking about other stuff, too. But mostly, you guessed it, Texans. I'm Mark Vandermeer, tonight joined by D.P. Sidhu and John Harris. How's it going, folks? Happy spring. Yes, it's happy a, spring. It's the first day of spring. It's the first day of spring, and you just complained that it was Wait cold outside. It's snowing in places, Mark. I, it was a funny complaint. It was a Wait, March 20th complaint. is the first day of spring? I thought it was the 21st. What? Huh? Maybe I'm wrong. Today, today. Today is today? the first day of spring. Oh, it is? According to sure. Twitter. Okay, according, according never to Twitter, wrong. it's the first day of <laughs> and spring. And are people mad about it on Twitter? The, the Twitterazzi is angry about spring. Give me something that Twitterazzi is never angry yeah. about. That Twitter exists. They actually they're angry about that as well. So yeah, how it came to be, it's it's ridiculous. I think everybody on Twitter's mad. I believe it's Patty Smith's birthday too. So happy birthday, Patty! Oh yes, happy so there you go. Happy Patty. birthday! Yes, and it's a happy day for the Texans, really, because we're still sort of basking in the glow of the signings. And again, free agent signings. You never know how it's all going to play out. We've been happy about free agency signings before. Some of them have worked out better than others. I don't have to go over the ones that didn't or the ones that did. You know what I'm talking about. But I think there's a lot of reason for optimism. You know, when you sign a player like the Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew is not a player who's long in the tooth. This is a guy who's 25 years old. And I, don't, I want to get your take, everybody, because I was impressed with him yesterday. And I really, I've seen him a little bit before in sound bites. And, of course, LSU is where I saw a whole lot more Badger than I did with his career at Arizona. But I was really impressed with him. I thought, wow, he just comes across as such a leader, such gravitas at the podium. He really just had a presence about him, so confident and, you know, like like a veteran. It's hard mm-hmm. to believe that he's only 25 years old. He's been through so much in he his career already, <laughs> uh, you know, but just to him talking about his ties to Texas, to Houston, how he relocated to Umble after Hurricane Katrina. I loved hearing all that. I think the fans really are really drawn to him anyway, and the fact that he's got a little bit of a history with Houston's nice. He loves J.J. Watt. He's excited about playing with him and Jadevian Clowney and Whitney Merciless. He's excited about what the offense has to offer with Deshaun Watson. I thought all of his reasons for wanting to come to Houston, it made me even more excited because of the fact that he said, I could have gotten more money somewhere else, but this is the place that I wanted to be because I'm hungry, and here's a team that's hungry, and this is one of the best defenses in the league, and this is where I want to be it, I mean how do you not get excited about a guy that comes to your team and says that I I just don't know and the fact that he's we were talking about this on my podcast a little bit earlier John Drew and I that he's coming off of a season where he started all 16 games he's healthy he made an impact on the field and and here he comes and, and he's the Texans have a huge position of need at safety mm-hmm. and he can instantly come in and make an impact well, no matter whether he plays safety or defensive end or linebacker or, Defensive end or <laughs> slot corner. Hey, you laugh. He does have four quarterback hits from but, last year. But you, but you laugh. But if you, I went back and I watched the Jaguars game. They used him as a pass rusher on certain downs. The Cardinals went into dime, and you'll see it. He forces a sack. Now he doesn't get the sack, but he forced a sack for Olson Pierre because he went one on one on Mercedes Lewis. Cut today by the Jaguars. And yes, I would take a look. It, it, he's two hundred sixty-seven pounds. Honey Badger's one hundred eighty. He's got 87 pounds on him, and Matthew beat him one-on-one to get to Bortles. Bortles, uh-oh, he had to turn tail and go the other way, ran right into Olsen Pierre. That was a sack. A little while later, they're in coverage, and the Jags had a great play schemed up where Matthew essentially was going to be one-on-one on Keelan Cole. And you remember that game in December? Keelan Cole Yikes. burned everybody. Two months after sleeping in his car. running a, No, that was Jaden Mickens. 
Oh, Keelan that was Cole. Oh, right. But either way, both of them did. But Cole hurts down the field. And Cole, when with the route they ran, Buda Baker came out of the middle of the field to cover Mercedes Lewis in a crossing route. So that left Tyra Matthew one-on-one with Keelan Cole down the middle of the field with no help in the middle of the field. And Matthew was hip-to-hip hip all the way down the field. And when the ball came down, Matthew tied him perfectly and knocked it away. Incompletion. The next play, they tried to run a wheel route on Matthew, tried to pick him. He got it out of the way of the pick, got back in the hip pocket. Bortles tried to throw, realized Matthew was there, had to pull it down, and he got sacked. So he did it rushing the quarterback. He did it deep in coverage, and he's done it everywhere in between. But how many players are you going to find in the NFL that can do that? Not too many. Guys can do one or the other. And when he walks in this building, you'd be hard-pressed after Watt, Merciless, Clowney to say that any of the other Texans are better pass rushers than he is. As well, crazy as that sounds. When you look at what they have – at safety and corner, I mean, who do they have that could possibly do that? Nobody. I mean, Kareem's a real physical player. He could rush right. the passer on occasion. But this is a player, like you said, you could be that versatile with. The threat of doing it is going to make offensive coordinators yep. think about how I have to defend or how I have to deal with it as yep. an offensive coordinator. And Romeo Cornell must be just, oh, my gosh, so happy, drawing up stuff already for him. The oh. versatility that he brings, you know Romeo yeah. is going to take full advantage of it. I love the fact that they're paired together. He had so many nice things to say about Romeo in his press yeah. conference, too. Mm-hmm. How winning, you know, the Super Bowls he's won, the experience he's got. His, he, he did his homework. He talked he, to a lot he, of people. He talked he about did. every he, – he, he's talked to J. Joe. He's watched Kareem over the years being in the SEC. I felt like he had a real, really good familiarity with the team You know, you, you brought it up, DP, a little bit, just and you guys both, about his presence. Mm-hmm. And I've mentioned this a couple times, but on the Amazon series All or Nothing, it's, after, it's during the 2015 season where he's having a Pro Bowl year and he tours ACL late in the year against Philadelphia, late in the game. They're up big. He makes a pick. It's, kind of, it's going to be his last game on – or his last play of the game anyways – and he tears his ACL. And it's a gut punch for that team. Bruce Arians has to step up on Monday at the press conference, and he starts breaking down, talking about him you know, tearing his ACL. I mean, it's, a, it's gut-wrenching. And a couple episodes later, they're getting ready to play in the NFC Championship game. So at this point, he's 25 now. So at this point, he's 23 years old. Can you imagine being 23 years old, and he stands up in the back of the room, and he gives these guys one of the best pep talks I've, I've ever heard. And I'm, I was blown away. And I started thinking, that guy's 23 years old, and every eye in that room was on him, nodding to everything he said. You're talking to Clayus Campbell, a guy that's been around. Patrick Peterson, uh, who was a, a, an all-pro. Corey Redding, who's been, who had been playing for 80 years. He's got all the coaches in there listening. Everybody is listening to a 23-year-old safety who had torn his ACL, and they are on, hanging on every word. That's the kind of, like you said, gravitas that he carries. Wait, that's the gra- leadership. I want he has. credit for gravitas. Oh, you said it. Sorry, I brought it up first. No, he pointed at me. He pointed at me, but it's radio, so it is. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Mark. Clarification has been made. I think it's a great, it's a great <laughs> word to use. But can you imagine walking into a building with a ton of adults and a twenty-three-year-old stands up and you're like. I'll follow that guy anywhere. Well, it's the respect they have for him, right. not only exactly. as not only as a player, but as a person right. and everything he's been through. And what do I always say about rookies coming into this league? What does Bill O'Brien say about this league in general? You got to get better. You got to right. get better every day. You got to get better every year. When you're drafted into this league, 
You are who you are. If you don't improve from that, people tend to think that that's all you're ever going to be, what you are the day you're drafted. If that's all you're ever going to be, you're not going to make it. They all got to get better. Even the very best, Deshaun Watson's got to get better. They all have to improve. If you don't, it's like a shark. If you don't move forward, you die. Although that's kind of a false bit of information about sharks. They're not all like that. You know, that's a no gravitas there. Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, I, I I think I think the adversity that he went through in college sort of propelled him to, to have the career that he's had. Because remember when he was coming out of college and then he was training for the draft and there were all these questions of, is he going to be, you know, is he going to be a bust? Is he going to be able to straighten things out? He was training here in Houston with John Lucas. I know he talked about John Lucas. Yep. He was asked about him in the press conference yesterday. And, you know, people were just so surprised at how he was able to turn things around for himself. He embraced it. He embraced it. And then the contract that he got awarded just a few years ago, they're like, wow, you know, he really earned every single penny of that contract it's really you know I, I'm sure he wanted things to work out in Arizona but I'm really happy for this city that they didn't and that he's here to help this defense John Lucas out. has worked with a lot of guys yep. and one of them who did not embrace it at the time was Jamarcus Russell because when I did the show with John Lopez Jamarcus Russell came up the morning show he came up to the studio and he was working with John Lucas at the time and this is part of the Jamarcus Russell like rehabilitation campaign I don't mean to make light of the word rehabilitation because that's what he was actually going through. But he came in, and you could tell that he wasn't quite getting it yet, you know, Mm. that he didn't quite get it. And that's no fault of Luke because he does tremendous work. You've got to be able to embrace it, which is – and look, the Honey Badger, I don't know. I don't don't want to compare and contrast his issues with what Jamarcus Russell was going through off the field uh, because that's their business. But the point is you've got to embrace it. You've got to take advantage of what he's offering you and also be the kind of person that – apparently Tyron Matthew is, and that's the kind of person who wants to improve his life. Because when he was up there at the podium, whatever happened in the past, LSU, all that stuff, he'd see, he talks about it freely. Yeah, yeah, my issues at LSU, whatever. I'm five years into my NFL career. I'm a man. I'm a veteran, and I'm ready to take the next step, and that's here. People are saying, well, why not Arizona? Because uh, their renegotiation was worth more money. Maybe he just decided, hey, they wanted me to take a pay cut. I wasn't willing to do it. I'd rather go somewhere else and prove myself, and that's what he's doing. And how about the fact that Bruce Arians is the one, is the only coach that he played under? Bruce Arians retired. Yeah. They finished 8-8. Eight eight. They didn't finish with a bad record. But now that Bruce Arians gone, there's a lot of change and turnover there. So yeah. he, it would it would essentially been a fresh start for him anyway nobody if he talks, stayed there. Nobody I don't think any of the players, or certainly he hasn't said it publicly, maybe one or two has talked about the Sam Bradford deal in Arizona, which is which may or may not be going down well with some of the veterans there. Well, it's a completely, I mean, they've overhauled it's a, a lot, lot of but things it's a over lot there. of money for Sam Bradford, yes. yeah. who's not exactly, I mean, he's a good quarterback, but he's not this proven commodity. Now, maybe Bradford, uh, Arians is not there. I mean, look at what, well, ha- well, look what happened to Carson Palmer in Arizona with Bruce Arians. It I was think that's very the one positive thing, for a while. You know, and especially getting a chance to watch the inner workings of the, of the Arizona Cardinals. I think Steve Kime is a, is a good GM. I think he was. I think he was stuck having to pay Sam Bradford because they had no quarterback situation. They had no. They had, they had no quarterback situation. Carson Palmer's done. They had no quarterback situation. But I think I think Bruce Arians was that buffer in between the you know upstairs and downstairs. I think Bruce Arians was a great buffer. I think he was hard on those players. But those players understood how much he cared for them, and I think Matthew felt that. And I remember, I remember Matthew. Uh, there's NFL films. He talked about how Bruce Arians talked to him about being kicked out of high school. Right. And he talked about what he had gone through when that happened, and Tyron really had a connection with him. And then he went to a place where Patrick Peterson was there, a guy that was a junior 
in Matthew's first year at LSU, and so they connected there. So there were connections there to get him going, to get him started. And then I think he found his place as an NFL player, as an NFL star, as a top safety in this league, that he was able to say, all right, look. And he strikes me as the kind of guy that, oh, Arizona, you don't want me? All right, I'll go here on a one-year deal. That's one thing to keep in mind. It's a one-year deal. But there have been other players. Alshon Jeffrey is a perfect example of this. Alshon Jeffrey signed a one-year deal with the Eagles going into 2017. In late November, he signed a multi-year deal to stay with the Eagles. And that's my hope here with Tyron is that he is playing at that level that they do sign a multi-year deal that we do want you to be a Texan for a long time, right. that this is the right fit for you, and we can go win championships. You can negotiate with him before he hits the market, so right. that's the beauty of this yeah, absolutely. particular situation. Absolutely, and then on top of just the playmaking skills, and Deepy and I were talking about it on her podcast, Deepy ripped off the stats, his stats, and I always found it fascinating back, especially in 14 when J.J. was at his peak, every column on the stat sheet, most of them you see zeros, but you would see J.J. with a one, a pass breakup, an interception, a fumble, a fourth fumble, yeah. a sack, a tackle. Filled it up. Like, he filled it up. Mm-hmm. When you look at Tyron Matthews' stats, he's got a number in each one of those columns. Where a lot of guys just have zeros, he's got numbers in all of them. Quarterback hits, sacks, TFLs, interceptions, tackles. He's got numbers in all of He's a game changer. Absolutely. He's a game effector. All right, so everyone keeps hearing about DP's podcast. What is it, DP? It is the Deep Slant podcast. I had J.J. Moses on it, and J.J. Moses uh, – you know, promoted within mm-hmm. the building here. He's uh, Texans ambassador turned director of player engagement. So congrats to him, but not so congrats to me because I got to find new podcast hosts. But Drew and Johnny did a great job filling in. And I think we're going to bring in some former players to talk about free agency and all the offseason news. So we'll keep it going, but it's available. You can subscribe on iTunes, tune in or Stitcher, leave a review as well as Johnny and Drew's in the lab uh, where they're always cooking up uh, fun statistics. I have a question for you, Mark, yes. with the honey badger. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is great for a play-by-play guy. Great. This is fantastic. He's Great. got a nickname. It's a catchy nickname. Mm-hmm. It's an animal. What more could you ask for All out of life? Uh, what you Have you started brainstorming some, uh, some good play calls I here? think it, it does itself. I mean, you know, the ba- the badger, Johnny was pointing out how uh, Wolfley, Ron, Ron Wolfley, Wolfley yeah. uh, the color commentator for the Cardinals, uh, refers to him as the badger. I already yeah. decided I was going to do that from time to time. But then so, you've got JJ and you've got Badgers. Oh, you've got. You've I don't got know so if you can do much. that. Yeah, you've got a cornucopia. You got to do Honey Badger. Yeah, and then yeah. You, you, I just want the takeaway train to get rolling again. Ooh, the takeaway the takeaway train. train. They got a takeaway chain. There's a turnover, turnover chain. chain. We got a takeaway, takeaway train. train. That would be good. Completely different. Completely right. different. Thanks a lot, DP, for Thanks, joining Mark. us. All right, Johnny's going to stick around. We're going to play a game rapid fire, and I call it "If They Played This Weekend." Plus, Zach Fulton, new Texans old lineman on the show tonight on Texans Radio. As we continue on the show, let's tool around with the Texans depth chart, shall we? I mean, the coaches aren't going to do that publicly, but we will <laughs> because it's Texans All Access. Welcome back to the show. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. Are you ready, Johnny? You think that Bill O'Brien wouldn't come on here and talk about the depth chart with us? I, Is that what I you're saying? I think you talk about, like, the NBA playoffs with us, yeah, he would, He'd and be uh, that. the NCAA tournament, and how how it's going, and his thoughts on Tiger Woods and start a major league in baseball. Fact, we got to do that show soon. I'll catch we up do. with OB next week at the owners' meetings, and then maybe a couple of weeks later, let's do the uh, Bill O'Brien on everything but the Texans show. Yeah, I think that would be great because there's there's so much going on. I like to hear his thoughts about Tiger coming back mm-hmm. and being back in the mix. I know people, Tiger's back. Look, what Tiger was, he'll no nobody will ever get to. Nobody will ever get not, to that. Not anytime soon, it appears. But it doesn't mean that Tiger can't be, now that he's healthy, 
Yeah. That's a big thing. Now, he's healthy. Doesn't mean that he can't be I'm, in contention I'm when glad he's in you tournaments. Brought that up. I'm glad you brought that up because what do we always say? There are certain guys, if they're healthy, right. they're going to be really good. Yeah, right? absolutely. Watson, if he's healthy, right. he's going to be really good. Tiger, he wasn't healthy all these years. Right. Remember the year where he first came back, and he was winning a bunch of tournaments, but not majors. But right. he did really well. I think he won at Bay Hill. He did. He won a bunch of tournaments, but they were not majors. And then the other trouble started, the health yep. problems. And, look, it's been a long haul for him. But healthy now, in great shape now, Look what he's able to accomplish. He's able to be in these tournaments with really good fields. Now, does he win the Masters? I don't know. This is incredibly difficult stuff. This oh. just in. Golf. Try it. It's hard. All right, let's do this. This is presuming health, okay? okay. I'm going to presume health on the Texans and if okay. they played this weekend. It's a fun game. Yep. We're going to mess around with the depth chart here, so let's do it right now. You know the quarterback is number four. There's no question about that. Uh, yep, good. And your starting running back is, with Deontay Foreman and Lamar Miller healthy, I guess pick one depending on the matchup because it's a game plan offense. And I fully believe that Deontay Foreman, fully healthy, could contend for a, quote, starting job. But I think they'll look at it as, hey, whoever we deem is better against this particular defense, especially however they want to start or play the middle or the end of that game. I'm not putting him in this class yet, but... Who's the starter in New Orleans, Alvin Kamara or mm-hmm. Mark Ingram? Yeah, it's uh, a good question because who's on there? I, I mean, we well, didn't he, see them in the regular season, the but Kamara is, plays a ton. The answer is it didn't matter, right? Yeah. Because you found a way to use both of them. Right. And both of them were huge pieces of that particular mm-hmm. offense. So it doesn't matter. I mean, that running back in particular where you can do so many different things with personnel matchups and things, I don't really sweat that one too much. Um, at, at You know, at running back, I, I would – I think you're right. It does depend on the matchup and who you're going against and how you want to how you want to establish. If you right. want to run football and pound it early, then maybe it's Foreman. If you want to spread them out, it's Miller. Maybe mm-hmm. you want to go in between. Maybe you play both of them. Although, maybe there are packages you can put both of them on the field. Although Foreman, like we said, healthy. You want to spread them out. Mm-hmm. Foreman doesn't look like a bad option either. <laughs> look at the bailout he provided for Watson in the yep. Patriots game a couple of times. And then he can power run for you. He can mix it up really well. Yep. We're all eager to see him get healthy. All right, so Foreman's the guy. Jay Prosh is the fullback. Yep. And you're – do we have to pick the O-line? Let's do it. Let's save that for the end. Wide right. receiver. Wide receiver. Yeah, I think we got that Yeah, down. DeAndre Wolf. Your number one guy. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, when they go three wide receiver sets, you know, Bruce – I'll go Bruce right now. Yeah, I think Bruce right now. You know, Coates is on the roster now, and he'll be interesting. And Braxton Miller's still on the roster. Yeah. Tyler Irvin's coming back. Yeah. It's going to be very interesting at wide at wide receiver. And I say Irvin with wide receivers. He can go to the running back position. Mm-hmm. He can go the the into the slot. There are a lot of different things you can do with Tyler. Mm-hmm. I think there's some packages you can have Tyler and Bruce on the field. Right. So there's some different things you can do. I just like the versatility of those packages, but – it's Will. It's DeAndre. Number three receiver, I think, would have to be Bruce. Ryan point. Griffin and Steven Anderson, your tight ends. Yep. So we'll see what you know, kind of personnel you come out in. All right. Let's go to the defense. All right, then. Karnak. Let's go to the uh, – no, let's go to the offensive line. All right, let's so go. we're let's not going to jump over offense. to the defense. I nope, thought you wanted to do it very last. All right, let's, nope. so, so let's go to the offensive line now. Nick Martin at center. I'll start in the middle. Oh, come with that. What? That's, that's the easiest one. Well, I don't know. That's so the easiest one. <laughs> so I pick next. <laughs> nice. Okay, I'll put Zach Fulton at left guard. All right, go. All right, you'll put Zach Fulton at left guard. Do I have to work from the inside out? No. You pick what you think. Uh, I think, all right, right tackle. I'm thinking it's going to be very tough for Newton to come back, especially early. Yeah. I'm going to say Chantrell Henderson finds a way to solidify right tackle for this football team. So you're going to put Julian over at left tackle? 
I think I have to do that. That's what I would do. I mean, I said if they played this yeah. weekend, presuming health and everything, yeah. I, mean, I have to put Davenport in there right now. Yep. I, they'll come up with other options at the very least, if not somebody who wins the job outright. Right. But right now, it's Julian Davenport. I mean, you have nowhere else to go, really. I mean, you have Jeff Allen still on the roster. Yeah. He could play some left tackle. He's done it. But it's not like, oh, my gosh, he's a pro bowler the first time he gets in there. I think you got to go with Davenport. Yeah, I think Davenport left tackle, Fulton at left guard, Martin at center, mm-hmm. right guard, Jeff Allen, unless something happens there. But I think it's going to be Allen, Calamete at right guard, and then it's going to be at right tackle. I think Chantrell's – I think that's right. Now, I, I feel like – you know, here's, I just, here's, If Derek the, Newton is coming back, I feel like Derek's got to be on his offensive line in some way, shape, or form. Is so he I a think, guard or is he a tackle? Well, that's, I've said all along, he might, end up, he might end up being best served at guard. But so he might be a right guard, Fulton's your left guard, Martin's your center. Maybe so. And now the other I – mean, so now you got – Kelamete, right. right? You have Jeff Allen still, and you have Greg Mance around, who's got to be your backup center. Right. Although Fulton could also do it in a if pinch. Yeah. So we'll see how they handle that. Let me ask you this, though. It's but funny there are depth now, now, and we haven't even mentioned Kyle Fuller, who, as a rookie last year, got on the field in the tight end role. Mm-hmm. Now I think he's got to take he's got to take a step. If he takes a step up, he gets in the conversation to compete for a starting job. But I think all these guards now, you got well, like all these people who can play guard, you need some tackle options. No, no question. You, and I think that's where the draft strategy now goes to finding young tackles. I might have that's to draft two or three of them. No, there's no question. I, I mean, think that's def- exactly what you're you definitely do. drafting one, maybe two, and an undrafted free agent or two. Remember yeah. that year they had Witzman and all these guys in yep. here, an undrafted free agent just to see what you could get. And Witzman starting now at guard for Kansas City. I think that was the year they brought in Mance, too, if I'm yeah, not mistaken. Yeah, it was. It was that year they brought and in. And Witzman starting at guard for Kansas City. He is. He's starting at for guard. For Kansas freaking City. I think you're right. I think, they f- I think Mark, in a, the draft strategy becomes finding a true tackle, a guy that really could only play tackle, and then possibly finding a maybe a guard tackle combo. Okay. You know, a guy like Isaiah Wynn. Now they're not going to be a guy able to like draft a young Isaiah Wade Wynn. Smith who played yeah, yeah, tackle right, early right. in his career, and then right, a guy moved that over. a guy that could play either of those positions, uh, guard or tackle. But he's a really good athlete. You're not sure which one he plays, but you got to just get him here and try it out. I just think from a depth perspective, by adding those three guys and Chantrell Henderson and Senio Kelamete and Zach Fulton, you've and then you throw in Derek Newton. Who I, he's almost like a new player. Wait, did we talk about in. Quisenberry? And then David Quisenberry. We you mentioned him a little bit, but you got Quiz in this. Well, thing what too. about Quizia tackle? No way. No, at I this stage, I don't think it's out of the question. But I think he's probably better suited to be at guard. Yeah, and he's always said he wanted to play guard. Right. All right. Now let me ask you about this because Colvin, Aaron Colvin, comes in here and he's a nickel corner, but he's yeah, talking yeah. about playing outside. It's like don't just label me. He didn't say it like this. I'm paraphrasing. But it sounded like he didn't want to be labeled as a, as a slot right. guy, that he wanted to play outside, right. which is maybe exactly what they talked to him about, although no one's intimating that yeah, yet. Right. Let me ask you this. Chantrell Henderson comes in here, and he's like, uh, right tackle. You know, yeah. He's not saying, I'm going to be the left tackle. I want to be a left tackle. You get the feeling that they've told him that he should be a right tackle or he, yeah. he's projecting to be one for them, although I could be making all this up. I don't know. I mean, if he's completely healthy and you know, the Crohn's disease recovery is behind him or at least yeah. maintained or whatever, maybe there's a shot over there. We'll see how they handle it, but it's certainly a big question mark of this football team right now. The spot of left tackle, they've got to address it. And I'm not saying they have to do it for us today, but there's a long-term sort of plan, and we'll see how it plays out. You obviously have to do what's best for the Texans organization. There's no doubt. And I think Chantrell Henderson would do whatever's best for the Texans organization. But to me, coming off of what Chantrell has dealt with, 
he might be better served just by staying as a right tackle, no matter yeah. what happens, just staying over there at right tackle. I think he's more comfortable on that side, and talking to him, that we, I got that feeling that he's more comfortable over there on the right side, and I get the impression that Julian Davenport is more comfortable on the left side. And I know comfort doesn't always play into this, but I think sometimes it does. I think yeah. Julian could give you some good football at a place where he's comfortable. When a guy's coming from Bucknell and he's playing VMI and Lehigh and Lafayette. You're not all facing sudden, the speed demon yeah. pass rushers. Yeah, you, you, you want to be comfortable. You want to know where your feet are supposed to be. And he's a pretty good athlete. If he takes the year one to year two jump, I think Julian ends up being a factor left tackle. I do think drafting, to your, to your point, I think it's going to be a tackle. I think it's going to be a guard tackle hybrid kind of guy. And I think there's going to end up being three guys. I think they will draft three offensive linemen. I think they'll draft two or three defensive backs. I feel like the versatility they've gotten with Colvin and Matthew, I don't want to say takes away a draft pick, but I think it reduces the need for another corner to be added into that mix, if that makes sense. We'll see, but it all depends on who's on the board. I think they'll still draft two. They'll still draft two. What, really? I still think they'll draft okay. two. Absolutely. All right, let's go to defense here. Okay. Since you're on the subject. All right. We'll start on the line, though. Okay. Okay, so DJ Reader. Watt and Clowney. I mean, that's pretty – oh, so you're going to go outside linebacker Clowney, not – I mean, no, no, defensive no. end Clowney, not outside linebacker Clowney. Well, yeah, when we get the outside linebacker, I'll put Clowney there, too. And we get the inside linebacker, I'll put him there, too, because that's <laughs> where I'm going to play him. No, Everywhere. I, I think that's, that's the funny thing, Mark. I've thought about this. Like, you know, each and every, each and every game – you go through the starting lineups, mm-hmm. and you rip it off. You know, here's who started. And they never start like that. Never. Never start like that. I mean, that. that's why I've started to say, well, they're also going to throw in this guy right. and that guy because they might open a nickel. Maybe they open a dime. I don't know. I do think that your starting 11 matters. I think the starting, if you up front. That's a good way to put it. Watt, Watt and then Reeder and Clowney mm-hmm. and then Merciless. And if they're going to play, if they're going to start in nickel, those would be your fr- that would be your front four. Right. And then you've got Zach and, and Bernardrick inside. Dylan Cole would end up being your, your chess piece at linebacker. And then your nickel ends up being, I think, Colvin outside, Kevin Johnson outside, Matthew, and Howard safety and Kareem Jackson inside. There you or go. Or Matthew bumps down and Kareem bumps to safety. You, However you want to mix Jay it Joe's up. But not even in there. Right now, oh, I, I didn't put JJ See, in that mix. Well, wait, we no, talk, I said Colvin. Yeah, well, we no. talked about this yesterday, though. If you go nickel and everybody's healthy, one, you have six guys that would be in that mix. Right. It would be Jonathan Joseph, Kareem Jackson, Kevin Johnson, right. Tyron Matthew, Andre Hal, and uh, Aaron, Aaron, and Colvin. Aaron Colvin. That's six. So somebody's getting voted off the island in a nickel scenario. That's a name you know. Is it Andre Hal? Is it Kareem Jackson? I don't know who it is. Uh, health will probably solve that problem, so to speak, and I say that a lot. Right. But it's a really good problem to have if yep. everybody's upright and out of the trainer's room. Yeah, there's no doubt. And I think of those six, I think you're going to end up finding a defensive back in this draft that's going to that's going to work his way into that that six guys you talk about. Mm-hmm. I absolutely. We didn't mention Corey Moore. Now, Corey's coming off the injury, and Corey's had some good moments. They've got to be more consistent moments. But I think they're going to find makes, a defensive back. Like if the it, if they play this weekend scenario comes into play, mm-hmm. Corey Moore's on this football team, and he's going to oh, yeah, find yeah. a way to be there's a part no, of it. There's no question. Depth-wise. And, and there's some things you can do with Corey. I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, when they go dime, which a lot of times they put Dylan Cole in there, mm-hmm. man, are there ways that maybe you take Reader off the field in dime, you bump B-Mac down, you play Zach and Dylan together, or yeah. you play Zach 
and Tyron Matthew. Well, Zach and Dylan together, combined with everything else that you were talking about, yeah. I mean, that's a heck of a coverage unit I mean, right you can there. You cover everybody. And then you've got those, you've got those three guys rushing and Wab, Marcellus, yeah. and McKinney. And then beyond that, you know, as I mentioned earlier, you have Tyron Matthew, who ends up being the ultimate chess piece when you go nickel or dime. And I think that's the piece to me where Romeo Cornell says, okay, watch this. I can take him and he becomes, all right, you're now as a stand-up rusher on this play. Now you're going to play, uh, you're going to play the, the uh, dime linebacker, jack linebacker. Mm-hmm. You're going to end up playing the slot on this one. And you move him around, and you're never going to know where he's coming from, which I think, is, I think that's fantastic. Yeah. But the fact that you can take Colvin and Matthew and you can play them on the inside, you can play Colvin outside. You wouldn't play Tyron outside. That's those those days. I think of him playing corner. Even right. at LSU, they were over. He was moving inside when they had Mo. No, I want him in the middle of the field where he can make plays anyway. Yeah. And make things so happen. I think it just become it becomes really interesting when you go to your nickel and dime because which which guys are which guys are you saying you're keeping off the field in nickel and dime? I mean, are you gonna are you gonna have to get to a point where you have to take Reader off the field, which makes sense. And then are you going to have to take – like, who else do you take off? I mean, because you can rush with BMAC. You can yeah. You can rush with Tyron Matthew. You can rush with Cunningham even. I mean, who do you take off the field when you're in nickel? I, I think, And you just said the name Cunningham. And we dime. could talk an hour about Cunningham and what he could do for this defense in year two now that he understands the whole system and everything. And then you put a guy like Honey Badger on the field, and all those young guys, they kind of worship him. Yeah. I mean, this is going to be – a really nice situation, potentially. You just want to see everybody healthy and everybody a part of it. All right, coming up, Johnny's going to stay with us. We'll talk to Zach Fulton, new Texans guard center. What is he? We'll discuss it with him, the former chief, and some stuff going on at the owners' meetings that they're going to be talking about, including NFL scheduling. Let's discuss that on Texans Radio. Well, this man, and welcome back to the show, by the way, Texans All Access here at the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio, signed last week with the Texans. He plays guard, he plays center, he played for the Kansas City Chiefs and the University of Tennessee. He's Zach Fulton, and he does know this building. He knows this situation because the Chiefs have been an unofficial part of the Texans division opponent schedule, sort of, if you catch my drift, in recent years. But Fulton visited with us right here and talked about being in NRG Stadium. How's it going, Zach? Welcome to Houston. Great. Thank you very much. It's to be here. It's not like you haven't been here before. In <laughs> fact, here you've been times, the enemy, yeah. okay? Yeah, but yeah. now you're now you're with the good guys. Yeah. So that's got to be a strange transition going from one team to another, especially when you have experience playing in this building. Right. But, you know, it's definitely it was an easy decision to make. Um, it's a great stadium, so I'm excited to play there. Okay. I went back and looked at those four games. One game you played guard, one game you played center, one game you played guard, one game you played center. Mm-hmm. What position will you play for the Houston Texans? And um, which one do you want to play? <laughs> well, it's, it's going to be up to the coach's decision, you know, ultimately. Um, but I'm, I'm fine playing whatever uh, position they want me to play. So I know primarily probably start off at guard, um, and then we'll go from there. Because you didn't play center in college. You were strictly right guard at Tennessee, 40 starts there at right guard. You were strictly a guard. Right. How tough was that to learn the center position? Uh, honestly, it wasn't that tough. Um, it's pretty the same techniques, you know, just you got to snap the ball in there on you a little bit quicker. But um, other than that, it wasn't, you know, that tough. I was pretty familiar with the playbook, you know, going into my second year in Kansas City. So it was a pretty easy transition. Zach, when you try to make one of these decisions on where you're going to play, I mean, I know it's professional sports. You get compensated. You want the best possible compensation. But also, what about fit in terms of scheme or whatever else comes into play? What did come into play for you? Well, you have to 
put into play the um, the concept of the playbook, you know, how they run their offense and things like that. So I think this offense definitely suited my style as far as, you know, being a powerful run-blocking guy. So I think that, you know, came into play for in my favor. A lot of fans will not know one thing about what an offensive lineman does, which nobody should take offense to that. But for Texans fans that want to know about you, what would you tell them your strengths are, what kind of player the Texans are getting right now and into the future? I'm a competitive player. I play intense with a you know nastiness and an edge about me, and uh, I'm just going to bring everything I got every day. What about the offensive lineman? Because we always talk about what a close position group this is, and how does that work, you think, when you come in as the new guy? And, mm-hmm. I, of course, they're going to accept you with open arms, but there will be a whole dynamic there because you guys find each other for stuff and everything. Yeah. It's all in good nature. Yeah, it will definitely be a process of building chemistry, you know, along with the other guys. So, But I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to it. You just do things like, you know, hanging out outside of the field. So it's going to be pretty easy. You'll probably get fired for this interview, by the way. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely, it'll, yeah, it'll come out of our budget, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. And one of the guys that has made that transition that you did from Kansas City to here is Jeff Allen. Have you had a chance to talk to Jeff? And what did he relate to you about the Houston experience? Um, I talked to Jeff a little bit. Um, he just told me it's a, a great organization, and um, you know, I'll, have, I'll have fun being here. When you get into the free agent process, was that nerve-wracking at all for you? Were you kind of nervous, or was it – I'm just going to kind of let the cards play out the way they're going to play out. What kind of, how, how was that going through that process? Any nervousness to it at all? Honestly, I was a little bit of everything. You know, I was a little bit nervous just because I wasn't really sure where I was going at all. So I, I took time off, and well, I took time off, and I went to um, Florida to train for a whole month. You know, I picked up and, you know, just trained down there for a month, and I just kind of let my agent, you know, do his job. And yeah. I just sat back and trained, and, you know, everything got handled the right way. Zach Fulton joining us on Texans Radio here in the Hyundai Texans Radio studio. So when you look at the game you had with the Texans this past season, Mm -hmm. it was a weird game because you guys got the big lead. You had two defensive players for the Texans injured on that first series. And then Deshaun Watson keeps the Texans in the game. What do you think of his play? And I know we brought it up before, but it's got to be strange to be on his side right now after seeing a game (laughs) like that or being in a game like that. Yeah, it was a very interesting game. Uh, We were up, and honestly, you know, to speak – you know, value to this defensive line. Um, we weren't really doing anything until you know JJ went down and Merciless went down. Then we start kind of started moving the ball. But you know, to play, you know, with Deshaun is going to be you know very interesting experience. You know, he's a great player. He's got a bright future ahead of him, and it's going to be definitely fun. Zach, playing in that offense at Kansas City, you guys over the last couple of years with Alex and the the personnel that you had there, you guys did some of the things that you're going to do. I would imagine with Deshaun. How valuable do you think it was that you were in sort of a scheme that the Texans could look at and see how you fit? Maybe going forward in their scheme. Uh, it was definitely valuable. Um, you know, they wanted to compare what I could do versus what their uh, system is like. So it was an easy decision for them to, you know, contact me and for me to vice versa do the same. So it's going to be pretty easy to make that transition. All right, Zach, thanks a lot for joining us. Congratulations. No Thank you very much. Zach Fulton, former chief, current Texan. Okay, Johnny, let's get to some stuff happening around the National Football League now that they'll be talking about next week. At the NFL meetings in Orlando, I'll be out there. We'll have this program originating from out there. That's going to be fun. We'll catch up with Bill O'Brien, Brian Gain out there. And O'Brien's going to do an hour-long session with the media. You'll catch it all on HoustonTexans.com. And some of this, some of the things they'll be discussing, and they'll be discussing a lot, involves scheduling, especially for West Coast teams this comes into play, right? Yeah, absolutely. Here's one, and I saw this one, and there there are a few that are being proposed. But this one, this comes from West Coast teams. And he used to have a, a buddy of ours that would come on the air and we would ask him how to handicap games many, many years ago. And he used to have this West Coast theory, this mm-hmm. negative body clock theory. Right. That when a team came from the West Coast and had to play a 1 o'clock game on the East Coast, that was a good team to bet against 
because it's negative. They're playing like nine o'clock body clock time. So this is one of the new bylaws that the the competition committee will be voting on. No team will be scheduled to play more than three away games with a scheduled kickoff time prior to 1 p.m. in the time zone of their home stadium without consent. So if you have a situation where... So they could play three? They could play up to three. But not beyond that's it. three. But not beyond I, three. I, look, I think that... I might even go to two. Two would be plenty because it's tough for them. Very, And very. sometimes when you look at the Raiders or the Seahawks, when they're, when they're playing the AFC East, for instance, yeah, or the yeah. NFC East that particular year... It gets brutal for them. Certain years, I mean, sometimes you might play both those divisions as your division arsenal. I think last year that that was the case. I want to say. Yeah, I think it was either last year or the year before the Raiders. Like It seemed like every week they were yeah, playing they a were, noon Eastern game yeah. or a one Eastern game, noon yeah. Central. And I think that's got to be brutal. It, it, it must be. And so that's, I think that's a great rule. I mean, look, we'll play. We'll, we'll give you a few games to play at 1 o'clock Eastern time from the West Coast. But I, 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 think, that's a, I think that's a fantastic rule. Um, and I think it's something that absolutely, without question, can can even the playing field. TV's got to figure it out, how they're going to fit all these games in, and, of course, the schedule will be out in April. But I don't know if they give us TV times for those other than the Sunday night games and Monday night games and Thursday night games. I don't know for a fact. But figuring out the times for those, I think that's I think that's only fair. I think it's only fair to see those teams have to deal with that situation. Did you see that the opening day matchup likely going to be the Eagles? I guess there was a report out of Philadelphia from Howard Eskin saying that the Eagles would likely play the Vikings in the opener Ooh. because that was an NFC Championship game matchup. They would rematch that for the opener Thursday night. Well, I think the other – you know, I thought all along that the Eagles-Texans game, which will be in Philadelphia this year, I I always, I thought all along that would be a primetime game. Wentz-Watson? Right, but you don't know when Wentz is going to come back. And you're not going to. Is know he not ready April. for opening day? He may not. I mean, that was Dece- that was early December when he tore his ACL. Whereas yeah. Deshaun was late October, mm-hmm. so he had a whole month and some change before uh, you know difference between he and Went. So and that's that's a big time period right there. That it, very much so. So I would imagine Carson's going to be back. I've I've seen some reports say yeah yeah he'll be back. He may not be back until training camp, but he'll be he'll be back. So I, I hope that's the case. He's but, a quarterback with a knee, just put some duct tape on it. But Minnesota would make sense. Kirk yeah. Cousins. Yeah, Kirk Cousins. I mean, even I mean, if it's Foles. I mean, heck, if it's Cousins versus Foles. I mean, well, that's, the Eagles you know, get from it. that perspective. The Eagles get it regardless. They're the Super Bowl winner. So they get the yeah, opening yeah. night matchup. But let me ask you this. Do you want to see a rule in place where Thursday night games, and I don't know how you do this with some of the West Coast teams because the flying distances are greater but I'd love to see the bulk of those be close divisional yep. flights or just close flights, period. Yep. Because you could say divisional would be convenient, but it's not really in the NFC East for Dallas, which has to travel pretty yeah. far to each of its divisional opponents. But I want to see close road travel situations for the Thursday night opponents. Oh, I got one. What? When you said it, it, it struck me. Huh? Texas play the Cowboys here. Would you want to see that on a Thursday night? You know, I've said all along, I've said all along that I think that's going to be a Sunday night game, and I think that's the one thing about having Deshaun, whenever he's got that matchup with the quarterback, whether it's Deshaun versus Brady, Deshaun versus Wentz, wow. you know, Deshaun versus Dak, yep. Houston versus Dallas, I would think that's got to be a Sunday night game, but it's a short trip, it's a short yep. trip for the Cowboys, whereas I don't know what they've done on a Thursday night, but you're right, most of the trips they got to take to the East – Philly, Washington, or to the Giants, that's a pretty long trip. They're playing on Thursday night. It's so funny. I mean, why they played Minnesota on a Thursday night in 16. 
why wouldn't you want to see that on a Thursday night? It's a primetime game, a weeknight game. For the fans, everybody would be pumped up out of their minds to see that matchup. Everyone would take Thursday and Friday off. Are you kidding? It would be unbelievable. Dallas, Houston, in Houston. But for the players, it's not ideal. But, you know, if you say, well, no, give me another one. You're at home, folks, which is what you want to be on a Thursday night. If I got to play a Thursday night game, I want to play it at home. It's such an advantage, such an advantage to be in your own digs because that Wednesday before the game, you are able to work on your game plan. Mm-hmm. You're in your facility. You're comfortable. You're, you're in traveling. your jammies that night. You're not traveling. I mean, you spend all day Wednesday traveling somewhere, especially when you have to go to New England week three of 2016, and it's not cool. Now, last year, the Texans capitalized week two, and I think that's another thing. If you're going to go on the road on a Thursday night, you want to do it early. Yep. You want to do it early Absolutely. in the season when you're still kind of fresh because it gets brutal. But think about it. Started a 22-year-old quarterback who's turned 22 that day. His mm. first start in the NFL on the road on a Thursday night and mm. walked out of there with a W. That's, that's pretty impressive. 13-9 by the high-scoring shootout no. count of 13-9. to nine. My goodness. Here's another one I want to see. And I know it's difficult, but the Texans have been in this situation a couple of times in the Bill O'Brien era, which is you play a Monday night game on the road and you're on the road the following Sunday. That's that bad. stinks. That was that was that's happened twice. Fourteen and seventeen with Pittsburgh and Tennessee in fourteen and Baltimore and Tennessee in, in yeah. seventeen. Now you beat Tennessee the first time, you lost to them the second time, but it was still a pretty close game. Even should've, though you lost. It was, won. It was yeah. closer than it really should have been in many ways, considering the personnel you had yeah, out there. Yeah, no doubt. Here are a couple other rules agendas. We were talking mm-hmm. about the rules that they're going to have to vote on. This is one uh, from the Jets. On the NFL's agenda for next week's owners meeting, a vote on a proposal from the Jets to make pass interference. Uh-oh, here we go. No. A f- hold on. A vote on a proposal from the Jets to make pass interference a 15-yard penalty Unless the foul is determined to be intentional and egregious by the officiating crew. Oh, boy. Oh, Get man. ready for long stoppages <laughs> here. Oh. And please not make it oh. like basketball where oh, they go no. review it and it takes forever. Oh. Uh, That's I, tough, man. I like it that it's 15 yards. How about this? It's 15 yards. Unless, now, there's no good I mean, way this, to do this it. This really is. The we need wo- more time for this. This is a big discussion. Yeah, the. the this, to me, is the only way you can do it because that's what's going to happen. If a guy on a double move just runs by you, the guys are going to get tackled. Mm-hmm. They're just going to get tackled. It's 15 yards. Just tackled. That's what they teach them to do in college. If you're getting beat in college, just grab the guy, pull him down. Yeah. It's only 15 it's yards. 15 yards, right. 15 yards. Well, what about clear path stuff like in the NBA? Yeah, that's exactly what yeah. this would be. Yeah. Uh, look, I think it's difficult to determine that, but I'm in favor of something like that. I think we can talk about it maybe tomorrow night on Texans All Access. Thank you, Johnny. You got it, Mark. Thank that's going to do it for the show. Thank you, DP, for being on. And Zach Fulton, of course. Tomorrow night we'll be back. Hey, check out HoustonTexans.com for all your Texans videos and stuff. And don't forget that you can listen to this on TuneIn or on the podcast on TexansRadio.com. Thanks a lot, Edward, for producing. Galat at Night is next. Go, Texans.